be seated. Today's passage comes from Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. We'd like to welcome all of you who are here in the worship center today. Welcome to those of you who are in the north end of the building at the venue and the refuge, as well as those of you who are joining us online. Before we turn to the passage that Tim just read, I'd invite you to pray with me, if you would. Heavenly Father, you are worthy of our praise and our loyalty and our love. We thank you that Jesus was willing to cross an infinite chasm to chase us down and to prove that you love us with a fierce, sacrificial love. And Father, we were rebellious and ungrateful and idolatrous and helpless. We were like sheep without a shepherd. And yet now, through Jesus, we have life and hope and purpose. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Father, as we move into the fall, we want to do so in faith. And in light of COVID, we pray this morning for the upcoming academic year at at every level, Father. We pray for parents of preschool and elementary, middle and high school students. We pray you give parents wisdom and decisions that they'll make week by week. We pray for those parents who are educating their kids at home, some for the first time. Give them resilience and joy and insight as they teach their kids. We pray for those parents whose children are away at school for part of the week and home for part of the week. Give them peace and contentment in the midst of increased demands and complicated schedules. God, we're confident that you will provide everything needed as these parents seek you. We pray this would be a great academic year uh, for our kids and great emotionally and spiritually as well. We pray you'd be merciful to them in the midst of uncertainty and no doubt in the midst of disappointments. We pray that one day they'll look back on the season of their life with gratitude for your faithfulness and for the lessons that they've learned. God, we are so thankful for the teachers and the administrators and the support staff in our area schools. We genuinely appreciate their competence, their passion, their vision. They bring these to their work, and we're thankful for the way they have compassion for their students. They love teaching, and they love students, and so we thank you for that. And we ask during this season that you would give them grace and perseverance, give them everything they need to do their work well. And Father, we pray similar things for the communities at K-State and Manhattan Christian College and the Manhattan Area Technical College and other area schools. We pray that the faculty and staff would be able to do their work in spite of uh, scarce resources and in spite of limitations that COVID has introduced. 
We pray for encouragement and perseverance for each one. We pray that the believers in each of these schools would be salt and light. And we pray for the college and grad students as they enter this academic year. We ask that these students would find success in their field of study, even if it's less than ideal circumstances. And we pray that this would be a year of spiritual growth as well. We are thankful for the many campus ministries that reach out to students with the gospel of Jesus and that teach students to walk with him. May each of these ministries be fruitful in all the ways that really matter. We pray that faith would be a good church home, a good community for students in terms of worship and service and relationships. And so, Father, in light of COVID, we pray that at every level that you would keep both students and educators safe. And we pray that you would protect our community and our state, protect this country, protect countries around the world from the dangers associated with COVID. We believe that you are... are um, sovereign and that you have all power and that you're compassionate and so we ask this of you father teach us now from your word the scriptures including the passage we'll study today the scriptures are the product of your mouth are god breathed and therefore profitable in many ways so teach us now give us ears to hear in jesus name we pray amen Well, tomorrow we are beginning 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if this is your first time with us or you didn't catch the service last week, uh, this is something that we did in January. We're doing again now. And you need to sign up for it. We'll, we'll be sending you resources on the registration page. You'll find some instruction. But you'll receive an email every day with a scripture passage, a short video devotional, and some prayer points. And so you need to sign up. You can do that in two ways. You can go directly to the, to the uh, Church Center app, go to events, and register there. It's free, of course, but that's how we, we know to get you the resources. You can also check the box on the connection card that's online. And uh, if you do that, we will send you a link mid to late afternoon, so you need to do it before then. We'll send you a link to register. So why are we doing this 21 days? And uh, we're one of nine churches in town that are walking into the fall with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Why are we doing this? Well, many of us would say that the last five or six months in our walks with God, we've got, we've been somewhat lethargic, somewhat lazy. Uh, perhaps we've drifted in different ways. And uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting is simply an opportunity to seek God with increased structure and increased intensity. Uh, it's like what I heard a friend say uh, recently. He said, when it comes to seeking God, we really don't need a brave heart speech, right? We need a plan. We need a simple, effective plan for seeking after God. And everything that matters in our life, everything we really want to do, we have a plan for it. And so 21 days of prayer and fasting is a, is a plan. And I believe that God wants to use this 21 days in my life, seriously, in my life in a huge way, and in your lives individually and in the life of this church, in the life of the body of Christ in Manhattan. And so we introduced 21 days of uh, prayer and fasting last week, and we talked about how our spiritual growth is a partnership with God. It's not a 50-50 partnership, but it's a partnership in, when, in which Jesus expects us to do certain things, in which there are other things that he will do, only he can do. 
So we saw in John 8 and John 15 that he expects us to abide in him and let his word abide in us. He expects us to remain in our relationship with him and in his word. He, on the other hand, he says, if you do that as you abide in me, I will set you free and I will make you fruitful in your life. And so during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're going to employ three core habits that will help us abide, three disciplines, scripture, prayer, and fasting. And beginning this morning, we're going to talk about how we can practice these three disciplines in healthy, life-giving ways. There are a lot of ways that spiritual disciplines can take us a wrong direction. Uh, They can become legalistic, they can become rote, they can become a source of pride, all these different things we need to avoid. So we're going to talk about how we can do these things in a healthy way. Today we'll talk about practicing these disciplines in faith. Next week we'll talk about practicing these disciplines with a spirit of repentance, open to the possibility, even the likelihood that there are things in our lives that need to be changed. And then finally, we're going to talk about practicing these disciplines in community. We don't do them in isolation uh, in an absolute sense, but we do them in community with other believers. Today, we begin by looking at Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. We know from Mark 4, 1 that a large crowd had gathered around Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. There was such a large crowd, large crowd, they said that Jesus got in a boat and they pushed him out a bit. And so Jesus is out in the boat, he's turning back to the crowd on the shore, and he's teaching them. Verses 35 and 36 set the context. On that day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let us go across to the other side. So it was Jesus' idea that they crossed the, cross the sea, remember that. Uh, verse 36, and leaving the crowd... They took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Apparently, the Sea of Galilee is just this this environment where storms can come up very suddenly and very fiercely. Uh, The Sea of Galilee is at a below sea level. It's far below the Mediterranean Sea, and there are mountains all around. So these storms come quickly and fiercely. And Mark tells us that the windstorm was was so intense that the waves were crashing over the boat. They were filling the boat. And needless to say, as you might imagine, the disciples were terrified. Some of them were fishermen. They were used to storms. They were used to the water. But they believed that that day they were going to die. By contrast, Mark tells us in verse 38 that after a long day of teaching, teaching, Jesus had fallen asleep. I'm actually going to imitate Jesus this afternoon after a long day of teaching. But Verse 38, but he was in the stern. He was at the back of the boat asleep on the cushion. So he intended to go to sleep. His head is on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The disciples' question, their accusation really, is interesting, isn't it? You see what they did? They interpreted the fact that he was sleeping as a lack of compassion. You're asleep. You must not care that we're, we're perishing. If you keep reading the Gospel of John, you read John 3.16, or Gospel of Mark, or John 3.16, 
It turns out that, that God so loved the world, that's the whole reason he sent Jesus, so that those who believe in him might not perish, but have eternal life. And I find the, the disciples' reaction so true to life, isn't it? So many times we experience dangers, I mean legitimate threats to our well-being. It might be a medical issue, it might be financial crisis, it might be relational turmoil, and, and sometimes, not always, but sometimes we interpret that as, God, don't you even care about me? If I were God, I would have stepped in and done something. Well, I thank God, I thank God you're not God. You definitely are, you should be happy. I'm not God. But we, we interpret it as God doesn't care about me or God isn't powerful enough to save me here. We, we don't understand sometimes, the disciples didn't understand, that, God, that we can be in danger and God can be compassionate and powerful. Look at verse 39. See what Jesus did after the disciples woke him up. Uh, he speaks. He doesn't pray. He doesn't pray, God, please save us from this storm. He speaks to the wind and the waves. He commands them to do what he wants. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Why didn't Jesus pray to God? Well, he didn't need to. He was God in the flesh. He himself had all authority. He himself could calm the storm. And so this, there's a verbal connection here between a, uh, this, this passage and, and Mark one twenty five. There we find that Jesus rebuked an evil spirit, and he said to the spirit, Silence! It's the same two words. Jesus rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, silence, be still. So not only did the wind die down, the waves died down. The, the water became calm. And so Jesus not only had authority over demons, he had authority over all creation. The disciples had asked Jesus a question. In verse 40, we see that he now asks them a question. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? So Jesus isn't implying that their emotions were invalid or wrong. He's not implying there's no real danger here. They were about to go under. What he's, what he's challenging, he says, you should not have panicked. Uh, you should by that time have understood that you can have confidence in me, that you, you can have faith in me. You've seen who I am. You see what, you've seen what I can do. Is there any doubt that I care for you by now? So in the first place, it was his idea that they got in the boat. He knew this was going to happen. They'd seen him heal uh, a sick man with a touch. They'd seen him cast out demons with a word. And so Jesus wasn't mad that they woke him up, but he expected them to address him with faith, not an accusation. We tend to think, when it comes to faith, we tend to think sometimes that it's either something you have or something you don't have. I don't know if you've ever had anybody say to this, they say, I respect you because you're a person of faith. That's just not who I am. And when people tend to think that it's, it's like catching a cold. There's nothing you can do about it if, uh, if you don't have it and you want it. But there is a sense in which faith is a gift, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But Jesus is implying that they were responsible. He expected them to have faith. They were responsible to add up all the mounting evidence and conclude 
that Jesus does care about us and Jesus is powerful to calm the storm. And so he expected them to choose to trust him. Verse 41 gives us the takeaway from this passage. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? Who even is this person that even the wind and the sea obey him? A literal translation of the first part of the verse is, and they feared with a great fear. And so they were afraid of the storm. But when Jesus calmed the storm, they feared with a great fear. And so by the time you get to the end of Mark 4, the disciples have a lot more fear of Jesus than they had about the storm. And this wasn't just this abject terror. This is what the Bible elsewhere calls the fear of the Lord. It's this awestruck wonder, who is this? Uh, in this 21 days, we're going we're gonna to read through the book of Proverbs. We're going to read a chapter a day. And you'll, you'll read in Proverbs uh, a lot about the fear of the Lord. And if you fear, fear the Lord, you don't run away from God in terror. If you fear the Lord, you draw near to him because you are awestruck that God is great and God is good. He's powerful. He has all authority and he cares about me. And so here's the point of the passage. Jesus expects us to trust him as the son of God who has all authority and who loves us perfectly. He really does. He expects us to trust him. And it strikes me that the, the Jesus expected the disciples to trust him in that day. And that was far before uh, his death and resurrection. How much more should we add up the evidence and trust him? I mean, after all, we have trusted him for the most significant, the most monumental need that we have. We have trusted him for salvation. Doesn't it make sense that we also trust him for lesser things, for the so-called storms in our lives, for the disappointments that we face? Uh, read Romans 8.32 when you have the chance. God didn't spare his only son. Surely he will freely with him give us all things, meaning everything that we need. During this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we are encouraging you to identify one specific area of your life where you need freedom, uh, an area where you need freedom. And once you get that freedom, you experience this, this fruitfulness. Uh, you might need freedom from a sinful habit, and you may have, have wrestled with something, struggled with something for years and years and years. And at some point you've concluded, this is just who I am. I'm going to deal with this till my dying day. We're going to encourage you to identify an area where you need freedom and uh, approach it with faith. Seek God in faith. Or perhaps you need freedom from, a dis from destructive or unhealthy patterns of thought. It might be critical, angry, judgmental, cynical, or prideful, arrogant thoughts. What we saw last week from, from John 8 and John 15 is that as we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, Jesus is the son who will set us free and who will make us fruitful. And so during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're going we're gonna to practice these core disciplines, prayer, the word, and fasting. We're going to practice them 
in faith. The idea is to practice these, uh, engage in these practices, actually believing that uh, Jesus has all authority and that he loves us with a perfect love. Jesus expects us to trust him in that way. And so these, these disciplines are, are simple, time-tested ways that people have sought after God for thousands of years. I want to just talk briefly about each one and talk about how we can engage them in faith. So the first is approaching the word in faith. I have noticed over the years that there are some, some people who read these amazing promises in God's word, and instead of embracing them by faith, they say, well, that, that sounds good in theory, and I'm sure that that works for some people, uh, but it just doesn't work in my life. And you would agree with me if you knew my past or you knew how deeply sinful habits are, are uh, ingrained in my flesh. If you really understood me, you would agree with me. Have you ever thought that? Are you thinking that right now? Uh, I've thought that on occasion, but we have another option. We really do. Uh, The other option is to believe God's word even before we have experienced the truth and the power of what we're, of what it's saying. For example, last Sunday we saw in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus made this promise. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word and and you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's a promise there. And so if we approach the scripture with faith, we'll say, Jesus, because of who you are and because of what you've done, I believe what you are telling me here. Jesus, I believe that as I abide in you and as I let your words abide in me, I let your word be the, the, the loudest, most pervasive, uh, persuasive voice in my head, I believe that you will give me freedom, and I believe that you will give me fruitfulness in this area of my life. I believe you, and so that's faith. And so I would encourage you this, this 21 days, tomorrow morning, for example, before you read Proverbs 1, uh, again, we're taking a chapter from Proverbs a day. Before you read it, say, God, I come to this scripture with anticipation. I believe it's God-breathed. I believe it's profitable. I trust what you're going to tell me here. And so you read it, and when you get to this, this part where it's this amazing scene where um, Lady Wisdom is out in the street and she's saying, whoever wants wisdom, come to me. If you're naive or simple or foolish, come to me. Choose the fear of the Lord. And as you read that, you say, yes, yes, Father, that's what I choose. I choose the fear of the Lord. May this be so in my life. And you pray, God, I want to experience this. I want this to be true. Give me freedom. And so we approach the word with faith. That's the first discipline. Second is prayer. We pray with faith. There are many many valid uh, biblical aspects of prayer. There's thanksgiving, lament, praise. But when the Bible says that someone prays to God, it is most often saying that they are making requests of God. And many of the scriptures that, that talk about making requests talk about making requests in faith. In other words, when you ask God, you are confident. I believe you give me gifts that are good when they're according to your will. James 1, for example, James writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously 
and to, to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And so the disciples embodied the exact opposite of this, right? They were dri- literally driven and tossed by the wind. They were, they were in this turmoil. And they didn't come to Jesus with faith. Jesus, we believe you can save us, so that's why we woke up. They came with an accusation. You don't really care about us. And if we're, if, we're, if we're honest, sometimes that's the way we pray to God. We, we, instead of praying in faith, we sound a lot more like the disciples. We come and we say, Jesus, I'm praying about this because I'm supposed to. I'm not really sure you care enough about me to do it. I'm not sure you're powerful enough. I think my flesh, I think my sinful habits are more powerful than you, to be honest. But anyway, here goes. I pray you do something in my life, you know. And so we pray these lame uh, these lame, faithless prayers. This 21 days is an opportunity to take some risks in prayer and just ask God, And God, I believe that you are more powerful than my flesh. I believe that you are sovereign, you're powerful, you have authority, and you're good. You're great and you're good. And so I am trusting you to do this, this work in my life. So pray for this issue where you need freedom. Also, if you sign up for 21 days of prayer and fasting, you'll get a a list of prayer points each day. We'll have you pray for individuals and ministries in the church, pray for uh, missionaries that we support in the community and around the world. We'll have you pray for your own influence and the lives of, of people that you care about, your friends, your relatives, your neighbors, and your coworkers. And so there will be prayer points, and trust me, I understand how easy it is to get a prayer list and kind of mindlessly tick them off. I pray for one, two, three, and four. Amen. But uh, what if we pray in faith? I mean, what if we trust God? What if we trust him to do something extraordinary in our day, in our community, at K-State, and uh, trust him to revive the church and, and see waves of people come to Christ? We approach the word in faith, we pray in faith, and and third, we fast with faith. In scripture, people, people that were seeking God anyway, people didn't just fast for no reason, they fast for specific reasons. They they needed to repent or they needed to seek God about a, a decision. So they were very intentional. And so what we do when we fast is we abstain some from something that's valid intentionally. We abstain from something that's valid as a way to disrupt our schedule. And every time we miss it, that reminds us, oh, I'm seeking God about something that I really care about. And so when we fast, we're saying to God, I care more about seeing you move in this area of my life than I care about lunch. I care seeing you move more than I care about, and you can fast from other things, from social media. I care about more you moving more than social media or television or whatever, whatever it is. And so in several places in Scripture, we're warned against having the wrong motives in fasting. For example, in, in Matthew 6, we read this. Jesus taught, but, but when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And get this. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you, implication for whatever you're fasting. If it's a God-honoring thing, God will reward you by saying yes. 
And so if we fast in faith, of course, we're not trying to impress anybody, but we're fasting for God's eyes alone. We're saying, God, as I seek you, and I, and I just intensify it with, with fasting, uh, I do so for your eyes, and I believe that you are good and you are great. I trust that you will reward me. And so we got 21 days here. 21 days we'll never have back, okay? What if we seek God by faith as we approach the word and as we pray and as we fast? What if we seek God in faith, saying, God, I believe that you have all authority over everything in my life, and I believe that you are good, you are compassionate. God, will you move in power? And so, God, we, we thank you that you, um, we thank you that you uh, hold us responsible. You expect us to, to walk by faith. God, during this 21 days, we pray that our faith would rise up. We pray that our faith would be vibrant. I pray for those here today who perhaps have not been walking with you closely or maybe walking with you at all. Pray for those who are white hot, fervent in their, their, their walk with you that all of us would seek you and find you. We pray that these habits of abiding would be really, really good for us. We pray that we would experience you in deeper and fresh ways. And so, God, we're trusting you. Lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?